Hey, Jake here, and uh, we got to pay some bills over here at Three Point Perspective uh, Podcast. So this uh, this episode is sponsored by svslearn.com. It's an online learning platform we created because we all taught at art schools and realized you could get the same level of education without the enormous price tag. With courses from the three of us and dozens of other published illustrators, SVS Learn is the best way to get an art school education at your own pace and for a fraction of the cost. Start your free 30-day trial today at svslearn.com slash three-point. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And Will Terry couldn't join us today. He is on assignment, but today we are interviewing... Samantha Cotterill, who is an illustrator based on the East Coast. And what's unique and special about her is her illustration style is um, three-dimensional. It's, and I, and I don't mean computer three-dimensional, I mean like traditional cutout paper, crayons and paint, uh, photographed three-dimensional illustrations. It's just a fat, fantastic, like um, imaginative way to work and uh it was just it was just cool she showed up in in my inbox and had a couple things she wanted to talk about uh, she actually had some uh, uh you know wanted us to talk about something on the podcast and i was like no this is too good we got to have you on to talk about it what'd you think what'd you think of the interview yeah she's she's incredible you know something that's been a, a constant thread with some of these um, interviews we've been doing is how people follow their intuition and they know something's wrong and they change course and then they find what's right and by following this path they end up with something absolutely unique and she's the kind of epitome of that she has created a niche look for herself that is so unique I mean you couldn't emulated if you tried she made something so custom that fits her specific mm -hmm. interest and ability and um all of it her resources everything i mean she, it, one one interesting thing that you'll hear she she talks about you know, growing up with with doll houses and i just I, that kept in my head i kept coming back to that line as we're looking through her work and talking mm -hmm. to her and like this fascination as a kid with these doll houses and messing around with these little little bitty play sets has has transformed into a full career yeah yeah and she you know she the other big thing is she is completely off social media. Like you'll go search for her right now. You won't find a Facebook account. You'll find Twitter and Instagram. She's completely off of it. And she essentially makes the argument of why you don't need it. Artists, artists shouldn't be on there. So that was one of the reasons we wanted to have her on because uh, we lean in hard on social media, uh, you know, for our careers and whatnot. I'm, starting to think that maybe that's, um, uh, you know, energy that's misdirected in my career, perhaps, but she, you know, has a convincing argument for why you should, um, you know, cut the cord, I guess, not to cable, but to social, social media. So I just want to read her about from her about page and then we'll go right to the video. So Samantha Cotterill is an award-winning picture book author and illustrator of many books for children. 16, she told us, which, which is incredible. Uh, and she also started 
professionally working when she was 40. So she's a late, a late bloomer that in that regard. So this is an inspirational episode for everyone out there in their uh, older age that, that thinks, oh, an illustration career is, I'm, t- I'm too old for that now. She is a testament to, to know you're not. Samantha's been featured in the New York Times as an illustrator for Just Add Glitter, with written by Angela Dieter-Lizzi and the Wall Street Journal for her art in The Jinx and The Doom Fight Crime, written by Lisa Mantachev. She has recently launched a book series for kids on the autism spectrum and or with sensory issues entitled Little Senses. And if you go to her website, those are really cool. Um, the Beach is Loud was one of them, chosen for Dolly Parton's 2020 and 2021 book list for the Imagination Library. Samantha is represented by Kirsten Hall of Catbird and works out of her studio in upstate New York. So let's uh, let's get right down to the interview. I don't know if you've seen some of our other interviews, but we... I have. I mean, I've okay. only listened, and then I finally mm-hmm. went to YouTube for like a few episodes ago, and I will say I freaked out because I visually have never seen Lee White and Will Terry, and I was like, <laughs> my mind had these images, and my mind was blown. Like, like, that's I'm not like, what they look like. I see what these guys look like, and I was like, whoa! Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> not I'd love, to, I'd love to see a drawing or like a some kind of representation of what the what the picture is before you come to it. I mean, I know how that is. Everybody, yeah, it's, you more, listen to. it's more with you. Will Terry kind of looks like he sounds for some reason. Yeah. I had a completely different image of you. I can't tell you what it was. I just know it wasn't where I was like, Whoa, wait, well, I, I, get, I get that. A lot. I get that a lot, even from people who just see, who haven't heard the podcast or anything, but have just seen the work. Like a lot of times I'll have a gallery show and they'll be yeah. looking for a, a, a female. They'll be looking for a woman. Oh, I didn't get that. No, it was just, I had, and That's you true, were like, no, 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 Lee no, no, could no. be, is like gender neutral. It's gender neutral. Know? And so I get from the, from the podcast, I get people like coming in like you are with like different uh, expectations. And then the work itself, people do not think That's that funny. it matches me either. So interesting. Yeah, interesting. Huh. I love seeing all your little models back there or your, I don't know what we call it, uh, set pieces. Is that what yeah, that yeah, would be called? Yeah. My little library, they, like most of my stuff kind of gets destroyed or stored in a trash bag like me <laughs> um the only few things stay but most of the stuff i reuse and destroy on purpose how, how do you decide what stays and what gets destroyed or, or stored in a trash bag is that a euphemism for getting thrown it's, away it's kind of symbolic yeah <laughs> okay. yeah so i mean i kind of have learned over the last several years that I am better when I let go of stuff. Um, Mm. Then it allows me to like, just then nothing's all sacred and valuable and that I don't want to ruin it or it doesn't allow me to keep playing and experimenting and growing. And it's kind of, I think in art school, I remember my illustrating professor had said for every six paintings that are horrible, you have one good one. And Mm -hmm. I think in the terms of all these objects, there's like that one here and there that I love that I know I'll always love. Um, But in order for me to get better, I have to be comfortable ripping stuff apart and reusing things um, because that's just the way you grow. I mean, I think of drawings, it's really no different than painting and drawing where you have to just be okay with painting over something and adding to it. So I will never have a retrospective if I'm ever at that state because it will be nothing. <laughs> but well, but it's just good the space. Because, yeah, it's for the space. It takes up the space. And to be honest, 
I usually don't like anything I've made within minutes of being done with what I've made. So if there was a retrospective, I would not attend because I'd be too embarrassed to be in the <laughs> to be in the room looking at everything. Um, so long story, long answer to your question. Yeah, still, I love I love this whole style thing that you've got going on, like with the 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 cutouts. I want to know. Well, let's talk a little bit about this style that you've, that you're, that you're working in, that you've developed, where did it come from? Why, why are you working this way? What is it about it that, that you like? How do you do it? Okay. Well, um, I, so I kind of am a late bloomer, so to speak, in terms of getting into the picture book world. I went down a different path in the sense mm-hmm. that, um, I'm, I'll be 50 soon. So there wasn't, picture book illustrating or any of that in art school. And I started out by actually going to college to earn a degree in virology and microbiology. So mm. COVID, I kind of got a lot of know-how going into that. And so I got my degree in that. And then I left and realized that I really was supposed to go to art school because my mom had said, you're the painter in the family and your sister's the science girl. And I was stubbornly like, you don't know me. I'm the science girl. I'm the science girl. (laughs) Even though I love science, it's like, I'm the science girl. And then I remember fifth year, I ran out of lecture and called her collect and said, okay, you're right. I need to go to art school. And so she was like, So wait, are, are you being serious? It was an actual moment where you're like, yeah, yeah. I was in lecture hall. Uh, it was my fifth year. I had two classes left to actually get my degree. I'm two classes away from my microbiology degree. And I sat there and I was like, darn it. My mom is right. I do need to go to art school. I'm stubborn. She knows me and <laughs> I just need to go. So I called collect from, I left the class called collect and told her she was right. And thankfully I have really supportive parents and my mom is an artist. So that helps too. And then I went to art school. Um, did you finish the other two classes? I I didn't finish them. And it's not like they were (laughs) super specific. They were just basically like your standard, a statistics class and a philosophy class that I put off. Like I seriously could have oh just my goodness. finished those, <laughs> but I mean, oh, it is what yeah. it is. Par- so parents it, love, parents love that when you don't quit, they? Quit especially when they pay for your shy. five years of tuition and yeah, they really love that. But uh, anyway, so I went to art school and I studied furniture design. Because mm-hmm. I've always been into 3D. I just, I've always been that way. I've loved, I mean, I was playing with my dollhouse until I was in high, through high school. I just <laughs> loved building scenes and interior spaces. I was always like into sets and world building. Mm-hmm. And so that's just always been there. And then after I finished art school, we moved to Canada and had two boys and just life took me in a direction where I kind of had to back away for several years to focus. And then it came time to re-entering the art world and doing that with through my drawings. And it's just something that's intuitive. Anytime I do a drawing, I just want to cut it out and hold it up. It's just, mm. it's just part of who I am. I just like to make worlds. And when the picture book world started happening, it was in just 2D illustration. And I really found that tricky. Uh, It just didn't feel natural to me, even though it's a good practice to have. I kept wanting to create 3D worlds. So I was really excited when I finally had a publisher that was like, oh yeah, okay, why don't you just give that idea a try of doing a 3D Mm -hmm. 
world and let's see how it goes. And that just kind of started everything and went from there. Did you feel um, at home right right when you started doing that? Like, oh yeah, yeah this because is people what it- people are always like, oh my God, it just seems like so much work, um, so much more work than just doing a 2D illustration. And yes, it's a lot more work because there are a lot of different stages and steps involved. And the trickiness with trying to get your photography to print well was mm-hmm. a lot tougher than I thought. I, I didn't have any idea of what world I was entering in terms of photography and printing the colors right but I enjoy it so the big difference is that while it's a lot more work I enjoy what I'm doing so it doesn't feel like as much work um and that was a big thing for me because when I'm in the 3d world creating I'm happy even though I'll have Mm -hmm. frustrated moments Mm -hmm. it just comes more naturally to me so um I would think building, sorry, Jake, I keep, I'm just so fascinated by these little, <laughs> these little I'm set fascinated pieces too, Lee. but on. you don't get to ask questions. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know there's a lot more work in building the set, but does it give you a certain amount of flexibility? Once the set is built, you can kind of move around the space. Yeah. So I really love that. Um, I will pr- intentionally make the sets bigger than they need to be, um, just so that I have freedom to move around with the camera. And then what's really wonderful about that is I like um, there'll be compositions that'll kind of reveal themselves through the camera lens that I wouldn't have thought about. And it's just, it's more creative for me. I like going into finals that way because I still have a lot of flexibility to kind of go with the flow and see how things are turning out. There's a lot more forgiveness with it as well, because I can use the camera to blur out certain areas. I can, it, it's just, for me, it's just more freeing. Um, mm-hmm. It does lend itself very well. One of my, one of my diagnoses with ADHD is it's perfect for me because I can get bored pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And with the 3D setup, I can choose one day to do photography. Another day I can choose to do editing. Another day I can feel like sketching. And it works really well for me to be able to change things up. And then if there's a day where I go in crazy hyper-focus mode, I can do that. Uh, yeah. So it really very much suits me and my way of thinking. <laughs> So. <laughs> so are you like, are you, um, sketching these out first, like these layouts for, for your books or, um, yeah, I, I assume yeah. it has to start there, right? Yeah. they just, it'll start with just a basic sketch. Um, very simple, just like you would have any 2d picture book illustration. Um, and then when it translates to 3d, sometimes it doesn't work because it mm-hmm. really is a whole different, you do, you get experience with it after you keep working with it you realize how what you're drawing will translate to the 3d setup world Mm -hmm. but i just go very basic basic in my sketches because i have to have a lot of freedom and flexibility in the 3d stage of it um but it does sometimes the sketch will work brilliantly other times i just finished one yesterday that i had it as a bird's eye view and i just couldn't get it to work in the 3d aspect with my camera. And so I had to switch, I had to switch it around completely and ask for Mm. approval for that. And thankfully I have editors that are now used to working with me this way. So, um, (laughs) they're really comfortable with that. And it just, it brings out a better book for me when I'm working in this manner. 
This is super cool because I'm I'm looking at this. How much of it is uh, Photoshop? Like I see you're doing some light with Photoshop, some shadow with Photoshop a little bit, I um, assume. Or... Most of it is photography. Most of it is okay. I have so many lights and mm-hmm. um, I really love playing with trying to filter in light to come in through certain. I will have maybe one little gradient to add to just like, which I'm sure you can see. Um, But that's really about it in terms of the Photoshop is just adding a couple gradients, but most of it is in real. I just have a ton of light set up and it's really fun to play around with filters and color filters and tissue paper. And um, I wish I could show you, but the camera is my my computer's like set in stone the sets right there um Um, maybe you could just take a picture of it and send it to us later or something but this is this is cool so like there's a few elements like i'm looking at um we're at we're looking through grand day book which is it's a cute book it's all about spending a day with grand grandparents right and and i I love it um but there's a, a page where there's leaves falling um from a tree how did you do that Oh, okay. Yeah. So are you sprinkling leaves and like snapping the picture? (laughs) So that one, half of them. Okay. So you caught me with the Photoshop. I forgot about that part. (laughs) Half of them are Photoshop. The other half are, um, I'll just take tape and Mm -hmm. I'll hang tape and then just stick pieces of paper on the tape so that when you take the photograph, you don't see the tape, but you just see the, Mm. and then I just did a big forest scene, um, I want to share it with you. Well, I can't share it yet, but I'll send it to you okay. after this is over. That these leaves are all done in real, like not. I'm trying with this new book now to be very conscious. I just want to see how much I can go completely without any Photoshop add-ons. Mm-hmm. I want to see mm-hmm. how far I can go. So this one, I just found some old frames and just took the sheets of glass and layered them, and then just splotched on paint marks so that when I take the camera and take a picture it just paint it clicks a photo through the glass and mm-hmm. then it looks like the leaves are floating and the so i'm just trying to figure all of those things out that's so cool yeah i, I bet it's so thing. fun to to get into it and and get into that problem solving mode like oh there's some yeah. moving moving water over here or some leaves or whatever yeah. fire that's what fire. i like that's what i like and even just something simple as the water i mean just being a mirror that you just put on the table mm-hmm. and then you just put your drawings and i want to make sure the materials are accessible to kids reading the book because i really have to kind of remind myself a lot of who i'm making these books for mm-hmm. i'm not I'm not making these books to impress artists that I, I like, I can get in my own head there where I'm like wanting to feeling like, um, just like, I'm like, Oh my God, intimidated by other artists that I think are incredible. And then I'm almost trying to work to impress them. And then forgetting that I'm making these books for, I'm not making these books for them and making these books for those classrooms that I'm visiting where the kids are getting Mm -hmm. really excited seeing these 3D worlds. And so by showing the cardboard edges or showing a little crudeness and roughness to a lot of the objects is very intentional so that kids will pick these up and there's an element of, oh, wow, how did she do that? Or that's cool. While at the same time, an accessible element of, oh, I've got crayons, I have cardboard, 
maybe I can make something myself. Um, so I, I'm always conscious of trying to balance who my audience is with how I make these sets. That is such yeah. a smart point. I don't think we talk about that aspect enough. I think a lot of times we are illustrating for illustrators. Yeah. In well, a, in a weird and, way. yeah. And I don't think it's for every kid, but I, I do look at my own and I'm not saying that my two boys reflect the world of kids out there, but oftentimes the things I like, my kids would be like, eh, all right, whatever. Like that's <laughs> and because the things I liked were just not, and what they really gravitated towards uh, was always not something I would necessarily go, oh my God, that's so incredible. Look at that artwork. And I remember even having conversations with them saying like, isn't this artwork incredible? And they'd be like, well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of like, looks a lot of gray or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and I, it just was good to kind of go, okay, I got to keep that in mind because um, I, I, I have a specific audience and I have just, I, and I always have to remind myself of those moments that I'm giving talks to groups of kids in classrooms and what they just get attracted to. And that is really who I am making books for. So mm-hmm. it can be easy to forget. When, when you do a classroom visit, do you, uh, you know, a lot of times there's a little project involved at the end or something like that. Do they, do you have them make a little thing ever? Well, I honestly, I haven't done an in-person class yet because I started doing visits during pandemic. So it's been all virtual. Um, So that's been the big trick was trying to make presentations that were really connecting with the kids Mm -hmm. that kept them engaged. And so there was, I would create like a little diorama project and then just give a tutorial video. And then the art teachers would work with them separately and make a little project. It's been really fascinating because I've gotten a lot of comments from teachers who noticed that kids that they thought had no interest in drawing or illustrating and just had a hard time connecting with the class with 3D were super into building cardboard worlds and Mm. sets and it was kind of incredible to see this explosion of how many kids were like just more 3D minded than Mm -hmm. 2D minded. And they hadn't really been exposed to this like 3D world of illustrating. And it just kind of opened up a whole world for them. And that was, that's been pretty cool to, to watch. I want to go back a little bit. So you, you go to art school and, and uh, even though you look like you're 30, (laughs) the fact that you made a collect call in college you know, reveals. Oh my, oh my God, that's right. That's right. <laughs> reveals something. So you, you go to art school, you graduate from art school, but you, you said you didn't start actually illustrating children's books until you were 40, right? Yeah. Until I was so 40. What, so what happened in between well, there? So I know that I reached out to you about, cause I've been really fascinated with hearing everybody, like all of you talking about with social media. And I thought, Oh, mm-hmm. it might be kind of cool to bug them a little bit about, the reasons why I personally kind of needed to back away. That being can I said, actually, can I pause you right there and just read your letter that you sent? Sure. Was it written email? well? It was, it was. <laughs> okay. I just, I, this, I mean, this is why I was like, Oh, we got to have her on. So she says, she, you, you say, hello, I've been listening to you basically since episode one and have found your discussions invaluable and suitable to my ADHD. 
off-topic pathways, I think you and Lee would have a, like an eight-hour conversation and talk about absolutely everything under the sun. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I do feel a little kinship, like what, what the word kinship. What is the word? Yeah, kinship. Kinship. Yeah. kinship. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, you say I was wondering if you'd be interested in discussing a completely different perspective on social media, and that like that got me like hmm, let's because I'm I'm going in through this transition right now with how I feel about it. And you said I'm mainly uh, I'm a mainly 3D medium picture book author illustrator who left social media a while ago to focus more on my own growth as an artist. I'm also a late bloomer, having not started my picture book career until I was 40. Another topic to delve into, perhaps. Seven years later, and I'm working on my 16th published book, and have a lot to say that may annoy you all with my view on social media. Yeah. Said in the most positive way, of course. Absolutely. Um, so essentially, that was the reason you reached out, and that was the reason I thought this this deserves more than just a, a response. You know, on the podcast, we should we should have you on. So I think I need to be on for like a few more because I've got another big topic to add to that. By the way, that I was like after I sent the email, I was like I could have added this element as well. Um, yes. So that being said, I. Social media was great for me in the start. And mm -hmm. I think for many people starting out, it's a good way to kind of get out there and get connected. I had come off of seven years of, I just due to our own family makeup, I had to back away and I had mm -hmm. to focus on the family. And mm -hmm. at about the seven year mark, the itch was just starting. I was like, I mean, I didn't realize how much I needed it until mm -hmm. I didn't have it. And I think a lot of times you can be grappling with the idea of, I don't know if I'm meant to be an artist or I don't know if I'm meant to illustrate. But then when you're in a situation where you can't really do it, sometimes it takes being forced out of it for a while. Well, not forced. I mean, I, obviously I chose and wanted to focus mm -hmm. on family, but just the circumstances didn't really allow me to work the way I was wanting to work pre previously. And because of that, that's when I realized how much I needed it in my life when I didn't mm -hmm. have it. So at the seven year mark, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get back in there a little bit. And I had no idea what I was doing. And this was at the time I had done, I joined Facebook and I always remembered one of my art instructors saying, just reach for the top. Like there's just, just go for the top, try to connect with the top people that you're interested in. And so I was like, oh, I've got nothing to lose. I'll just connect to people that I think are incredible and just living lives that I'm kind of wish I was doing as well as an illustrator. And after a while I would do that and I would just post a drawing a day. I gave myself a goal of I'll just do a sketch a day, just do a sketch. And that's all it was. It was just me feeling this need to connect again and to just have that part of myself, just tap into that part. And one thing I always want to say to people when you're starting that is you really don't know who's watching you, who's kind of sitting back and just mm -hmm. watching you put out post after post after post. And sure enough, after a while, um, Kirsten Hall of Catbird reached out to me and she said, you know, I've been seeing your illustrations and they have a much of it, like a story. Each illustration mm -hmm. that you have been posting really seems to have a very story-like quality to it. And would you ever be interested in picture books? And this is when she had just started her agency. And it was just something I just didn't think was even in my realm because I hadn't gone down that path that would uh -huh. lead you to picture books in the way that I thought. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. And 
that really was what started it all. And then within, that was it. And then the gate, just left the gate running kind of thing. And then it was just all in picture books. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really great for connections in the beginning. Like I have yeah. to say that was invaluable. I wouldn't have met my agent otherwise. Um, I did meet other artists and especially when you're home and you've got two kids and you're trying to have that connection, but you can't really leave the house as much or get out to meet other artists. It does give you that freedom to be able to connect and talk shop when you need that fix. So it was really great for me that way. Um, and for several years, that was beautiful. But then the last few years, it kind of started to do the opposite for me. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it was no longer helping me move forward, but it was kind of pushing me backwards. Um, mm-hmm. And I could say there's a lot of elements and I can't do like Lee White, like Lee, you're always doing like there's five reasons or there's four. You always have specific numbers. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not going to be able to just throw out, I've got three things you have to do. <laughs> That's from being a teacher where you just got to like distill them down. Jake does it too. Yeah. yeah. So I noticed that my work was starting to look like everybody else's. Um, I was not pushing the work as far as it needed to go because I was starting to use the validation of, Mm. oh my gosh, that looks so good. Oh, it looks great. And I was getting that dopamine rush of, okay, that's great. And then, so then I started to subconsciously think of what am I going to be creating next to post? What am I creating next to post? And then constantly checking to see, have any, has anybody reacted? Oh, not many people have reacted. It must not be that good. And it just, your mind starts going and the anxiety anxieties kick in and it just was doing more harm than good for me Mm -hmm. uh each piece uh, now I look back at it I really wasn't giving it really the eye it needed like is this really done is Mm -hmm. this illustration really where it needs to be I was using feedback online as the green light of yep you're all good let's go on to the next one and when you remove that element it's pretty incredible how it really puts you in the present and in the now and it really forces you to really see what you're making and evaluate it and think is this really where I want it to be let's take the time you're not worrying about public people seeing your process you can be messy you can make mistakes you can make horrible work and nobody's mm-hmm. seeing it in that moment. <laughs> and it's really important for the growth of it. Um, I also know that, and I think Jake had tapped into this as well, is it's not a platform where you're really getting a varied um, input of like inspiration of pulling things from all different areas. The minute you're engaged right. or liking something, you're just getting feeds of other things that are similar to it. And before long, you start to feel like everybody's starting to look the same, but that's because it's just the people that are algorithm wise are suited to what you've been liking. (laughs) And so you're missing out on all this other stuff that could be really feeding into your creativity. Um, So I've switched instead, I'm just ordering magazines. So I've got subscriptions to architectural magazines, photography magazines, painting, just because then I have this library that comes into the mail and I can just privately go through and see images that I like and it doesn't affect the other magazine that comes. And 
Uh, That's fantastic. What a, what a great insight and, and solution too, because I Mm -hmm. was wondering where you go once you start to realize what you're talking about and then, and getting stuff in the mail is at this point in my life, it's almost like a present when something comes in. I I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. And I know (laughs) that um, I'm like logging everything here. I remember Will Terry saying, it's like, well, like talking about ads and saying magazines are dying. And I was like, no, I don't think they're dying. I think they're actually coming back because I think people are yearning for that physical, Mm -hmm. like holding these, getting inspired without any um, baggage of the social media affecting what you're seeing. And if like, you can just, it really has opened, just opened the creative doors. And A Grand Day was the first book that I created without any social media in my life. And I was Uh kind of amazed at how much better it had become Mm. because of that. And that's just me. I'm not saying I think social media can be great for a lot of people. It's just for me. I have a tendency to get like tunnel vision and I can get sucked in. I'm not good at, um, like it's addicting. Like for me, Mm -hmm. I'm not good at that. And I am aware of that. And I know that that's not a strength of mine is I am not able to just say, I'm just not going to check it because it's there and it's teasing me and I can't, Mm -hmm. I don't trust myself with that. That's well, my I, I don't think it's just you either. I think they, I mean, if you saw the social dilemma, like the, um, yeah, you know, they're making it, they're making it to do that. And I noticed that tendency for me is much, uh, the ability to pull away from it is much harder now that things have gone to the quick video clips. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you can, you can just burn 30 minutes and you do not even know that it, what happened. Like it right. feels like you're almost in a daze or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love what you said too, about it becoming this curated, uh, it's almost, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, that it's almost like a, um, confirmation bias world mm-hmm. because you yeah. said yes so many times down this really specific path that you can start out with broad interests and it curates all that stuff out though, until it is a very narrow interest. Um, yeah. It's bizarre and it's got, and, and that, everything that starts aspect's looking gotten the worse. Same. Yeah. Right. And everything starts looking the same. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, wait, I know there's so much else out there. And this is probably not good for my creativity, seeing all the sameness right mm-hmm. in front of my face. <laughs> so <laughs> I really, and it was a big, I know it sounded, sounds silly, but at first I was like, oh, this feels so huge, like deactivating and getting mm-hmm. off. I was like, it, it, it there was a detox period. I definitely think there was a month where I was like, whoa, this is really weird. I, Wait, did, I did you that. shut him down? Did you formally shut him down or did you say, yeah, I'm not going to check? I, I knew that I didn't trust myself. I knew, wow. I know that I could say, oh, I'm just not going to put it at, that doesn't mean anything for me. I know that what I'll do. So I had to physically, <laughs> I had to physically deactivate it completely. And it did freak me out for like the first month. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. but something happens. You have this shift where you realize, oh my goodness, like all these, there's something about just all the comments. And I remember when I was on it, there was just so much anxiety of feeling, oh, should I be commenting on this? Oh, I haven't commented on that person. Mm. Well, they think that I'm I'm not engaging or or (laughs) I'm not engaging enough or I'm too engaging or depending on the, what's happening in the world, feeling the sense of like, if I don't post, what will people say? Should I post something? But what if I post like this, it, 
it was just so consuming and taking up all of my time that I stood back and I was like, I'm making picture books for kids and I'm spending like 10% of my time actually doing that. And Mm -hmm. if my job is to try to present something new to the world and try to connect with kids, maybe I should make that my priority and do that um, Mm -hmm. and find other ways to be inspired that. um, And so magazine subscriptions was kind of like a mind blowing. um, That's so cool. I'm glad I did that. And I'm looking forward to being able to go more in person into bookstores and Mm -hmm. to be able to just go and pull things off shelves and go into old thrift bookstores. And I feel like it just would open up the creativity to just see things that are not in the kidlit world is really important. So I have an uh, interesting, uh, um, what is it called? Antidote to the antidote. What's that word? Anecdote. <laughs> yeah, anecdote. <laughs> Not an antidote. And I something that that goes right along with this is what I'll say. And that is recently, um, there's a guy named Ryan Clater who launched a Kickstarter, and he reached out to me to uh, interview him on my YouTube channel. And um, and the idea was, you know, leverage my YouTube channel, which has you know, a hundred some odd thousand subscribers and it can send people to his Kickstarter and you get all these backers, right? So I interviewed him. We did an hour long interview. It was great. Fascinating interview. If you haven't checked it out, like he, he really is an amazing guy. And, um, and then later that week, I just, in my email list, which goes out to 8,000 people as opposed to 170,000 people, 8,000 people, um, I just mentioned, hey, check out this interview, but also go back to this guy's Kickstarter. He's got a really cool book that he's, that he's made. Okay. So after the Kickstarter ended, I, I, I went to him. I said, what, how did that go? Like, did you get traction from, from the, the YouTube video? And he's like, to be honest, that day I got a thousand views on my Kickstarter video, you know, that came from there, but no, but nobody converted to actually supporting the Kickstarter. And he oh. said, it wasn't until Friday when your email list went out and people clicked on that email and read what you'd said that I got all these, you know, I got, I don't know how many, five, six, seven, ten backers to this thing. And so he's like, it's just, it. yeah, he's, he's like, yeah. your, your email list is way more effective than your social media. Yeah. And I've noticed that myself too, because I do, I mean, I can't completely disconnect because then I'm doing a disservice, really. I still have to connect with my audience. And I do that mm-hmm. through, I have a website. I mm-hmm. have a newsletter that I send out. And that kind of lines exactly with my thinking where the people that have signed up with my newsletter are usually people that have bought the book or checked mm-hmm. out the book at the library. So they're going and signing up because they want more information from me. And I think that smaller pool of people does more than Mm -hmm. having this public, like the social media campaign. I'm not reaching, like my newsletter goes to all people that are interested. So Mm -hmm. I tend to have much more of a reaction, even if the pool is smaller. Um, The quality of it does more for me. So I do still have my marketing through my newsletter. I'll send that mm-hmm. out. I've got the website and I have done um, with Pinterest. I have done like, I'll do a campaign every once in a while. It's more like behind the scenes, mm-hmm. kind of little bit of marketing here and there to propel myself. That's forward. like marketing, not social media. Social yeah, media is so, more, Yeah, you, you so fool I yourself feel, to think you're marketing yourself. Right. But 
It's yeah. like playing the game. <laughs> it is. And so I am just better. I, I am, I, I'm better at behind the scenes. I enjoy mm-hmm. the marketing and the other behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. that's my, but I like this. I like hanging uh-huh. out and doing the, <laughs> the podcast, but yeah. the social media thing was just too much pressure for me. And it was um, causing too much imposter syndrome. I, there's a fine line between being inspired by people and then letting it make you feel that you're not any good and you'll never be that good. And my problem was a lot of times I would look at other people's work and then go into that deep hole of like, Oh my gosh, like, what am Mm -hmm. I even doing? And um, so it just mental health wise, wasn't the best for me at this time. Um, It just kind of, it was the best decision for me, but that's just for, for me. Um, what, so where are the jobs coming from now? You get a, a book deal. Is it just strictly like your agent said, Hey, they're, they're knocking on my door again. They want to, they want to work with you. Yeah. That's pretty much what it's, that's pretty much. Um, I have mm-hmm. a publisher imprint that we've done a few books together so far. So we've kind of established a relationship there, but yeah, that Simon is, Schuster, my agent. is that, yeah, it's through Paula Wiseman books okay. um, at Simon Schuster. And I work through solely my agent. I have been starting to get um, reaching out from magazines that are interested in doing some. And I haven't really explored that yet. Um, but I've been getting more interest with that since my newsletters have gone out. Um, mm-hmm. It's been kind of fascinating to just see how it really hasn't affected my marketing by leaving. Like I thought, oh no, I'm going to disappear and people aren't going to know about me, but it really (laughs) has not happened. Um, Quite the opposite has happened. Have you read the, have you read the book um, uh, Deep Work? No. By who's that by? Cal Cal Newport. Newport. Cal Newport. it's, It's funny. It's funny because it lines up really almost point with point with what you're saying that uh, social media is, it, he kind of differentiates between deep work and shallow work and shallow work can take up a lot of time and make you feel productive, but you're not actually doing anything meaningful. You're not yeah. actually helping your career okay, that much. And that's, that that's kind of what he, <laughs> and that's kind of what he equates social media to. And there's quite a few examples in that book that he, and there's, there's another book that's sort of a follow up. Yeah. It's called digital minimalism. And you, just did everything this book talks about. So yeah, you did it naturally. Well, so that's one of those things where uh, <laughs> I, if only I had written that book several years ago. <laughs> but um, it's amazing yeah. because he, he recommends in the book, like people do a, try a 30 day uh, away from your social media, um, not only for your own sanity, but just to watch how little impact you're actually making in social. Like, I agree with you. You're like, there's this feeling that, oh, I haven't posted yet. And people are waiting and are they, th- they're not actually thinking thinking about me at all. And when you leave, they don't care. (laughs) And I do think it's, you're so right, because I would spend so much time thinking about getting a little set to send, to take a picture, to put on Instagram, but it really wasn't doing anything productively for the actual book itself. And so I'd be working a lot, but then at the end of the day, I didn't really have much to show for it. And that was, it was really posted for my own need of like attention. Um, And I have to be very careful with that. And what is my, what are my intentions when I'm making work? And I, I am making these 
books to connect with kids when they take the book and they open it up on their lap and they get immersed in a story. So that's what I'm doing and that's what I need to do. I'm not creating a picture that looks perfect on this one moment on this Instagram snap that will be disappearing. Tiny little screen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then it's just giving me this false sense of security. And I don't know. If I step back at it, sure, you may get these likes, but then it could also be a combination of people that are, I really like that picture or, oh, I should like it. I should like it. I should like, there's just so much involved with it. It's just easier not to have it. And I, I think any decision you make, there's not a perfect solution, no matter what you do. Like, I think in life, you can never have this perfect balance. Something always has to give, but Mm -hmm. do the benefits outweigh the negatives. And for Mm -hmm. me, not being on social media, it's, yeah, there's things I miss. There are moments where I feel a little bit lonely, where I'll be like, oh, it's a little bit isolating at times where I've missed kind of heavy, but the overall benefits far Mm -hmm. outweigh that, that that's what I need to kind of focus on. And I do have my crew, like I have a couple illustrators that I really connect with that we hold each other accountable. So every Friday we have to show each other what we've done for the week. So I do have my little critique group and that is way more valuable to me because they're, there are creators that I really respect and admire and think that their eye is impeccable and I get much more value from their feedback their their feedback than I would through social media. Are, are you meeting in person or is that a Zoom session or what are no, you doing? No, it's just texting. Texts? <laughs> yeah. No, that's even better. Are, it's more are, immediate. Texting or how phone did call. You, how did you meet these people? Like, how did you organize this well, thing? Well, so that's where I would say social media was good to start with because mm-hmm. I did get these connections through social media. So it does have benefits for kind of helping you set your foot getting your foot planted, so to speak, and meeting others and meeting creatives. It does do wonders for that if you're just getting started. Um, But then for me, it's kind of like it did its job. I just, social media was great for what it needed to be for me. And that was Mm -hmm. getting me the connections and getting me started. And once I got started, once I got my settings down, then I was like, okay, thank you for what you've done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now I need to like continue on my path. Um, my own way now, like it kind of gave me the tools and now I'm got my tool belt filled and now I can just kind of do what I need to do. Are these, this group that you're in, are they still on social media or are you guys uh, all One is, one mm-hmm. is, and the other one, um, he's a really wonderful illustrator out of Canada and he's the one that encouraged me because he had done it first and he's like you know Sam you might do really well getting off of this and so he did it first and then he was I kind of got to see his experience with it and I was like all right I should do this because this is really just this is I'm not in a good place I can tell I'm not in a good place and he was just like look it's really after you get through it you'll kind of come out the other side and go wow really, what was my hang up? And look at all these things that I thought were important to me that really weren't. And my work just got so much better. So he was kind of my encouraging push to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm more, I'm more in the moment now I'm in present. I am more focused on the now kind of getting Mm -hmm. in the zone and just being present. And I'm noticing things around me more. I'm slowing down a bit and just, I, I'm in a much better spot. 
So what that's, does it? That's a, amazing. Um, hey, Jake, hold on. I, I got to go to this non sequitur because it's so interesting having both of you on my screen at the same time. I see you as polar opposites. <laughs> <laughs> but you're sort of kind of starting to go down this road a little bit. I know you've been meditating, which bring, I mean, from what she was just saying, like brings you into the now, the current mm -hmm. present, what are my goals? Mm -hmm. Are you kind of changing your tune on social media? I mean, you have such a big social media presence. Yeah. In fact, if it wasn't for posting about children's book pro, I wouldn't have posted anything on my Instagram account since December, right? So, wow. so I back in September, I think it was. Um, I don't know if you know this, Samantha, but I unfollowed everybody on Instagram. I do I know have... that from your. I do know that from your. Okay, I listen to you guys a lot. So that's right. okay. I forget what I've told who I've where I've said yeah. what, but um, <laughs> you've said um, it in two podcasts. By the way, you did talk about this in okay two podcasts. So this is number three now. This is number three. <laughs> but I thought it'd be a temporary thing. And and again, it's like I I don't miss it. I yeah. I really Instagram has eaten up a lot less of my time in the past. I'm amazed months. at how much time it took up. It really mm -hmm. did. And do you know, yes, like I said, if you do this, there is a month where you just it there is a detox period. For me, there was. But mm. um Oh my God, I got distracted. I totally forgot. <laughs> well, <laughs> what I was going to, if you remember it, interrupt me, but what I was going to follow up with was, <laughs> um, uh, you, I, because I'm not looking at other people's artwork, I don't feel the pressure to post unless I really want to. I yeah. will say though, I have a different, little bit different business model than just pure making illustration books, like illustrated books. I also have an online shop and I have some self-publishing things and I have some other, you know, like anytime I post about a book in my shop or I post about SVS, it drives, it does drive some people to yeah. those things and I can see some tangible results from it. But, um, but, but what I've noticed is I, you know, I can post until I'm blue in the face about a book on Instagram, or I can make a YouTube video about a book and that has way more conversion rate than the Instagram thing. Or I could, yeah. um, you know, focus on my newsletter and that has an even more conversion, higher conversion rate. Just like rate she's saying, it. like a warm audience versus that really shallow yeah. audience yeah, that just like can. My newsletter is not huge, but it is way more effective. I get way more response than I do. And I remember what I was going to say. Okay. So in terms of creating, yeah, I have to say it's pretty amazing. It's just like, I'm going back to what creators used to like that ideal idea of like getting up in the morning and just creating and going into your den and it's, it that comes back. And you all of a sudden you're like, not thinking about, Oh, I can just be, I can just mm -hmm. be in my space. I can just create the time it, it, you get so much more done and you're in it. And it, and it also allows me to get in the zone. Social media um, distracted me where I didn't have the focus to be able to focus long enough on the work where you get into that mode, where you then start to like, it always takes me a couple hours to tinker around before I get in the zone. And social media was too distracting where it constantly interrupted me and didn't allow me to get to that place where I'm in the zone. And yeah. now I have that time. I have that moment, a couple hours to kind of putz around and play and then get in the zone. And mm -hmm. 
it's way, it's just, I realize how much time I was on it. I, I just, it's kind of mind blowing after you've been off it where you like, mm-hmm. holy cow, that was a full-time mm-hmm. job and I didn't even realize, <laughs> and I didn't have a lot to show for it. Um, and now everything I'm working on and making is going towards something that's getting put out there. Right. Uh, I, I think it's been, it's beneficial that you work in traditional media for this choice that you made. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's true. harder if you're I'm on the computer making some of the, di- you know, work digitally and all of a sudden it's, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's not just social media that's distracting. It's the, it's the emails and even the texts, which I enjoy. I mean, those are personal connections that I have, but they're popping up all the time. And I do find it really hard to get in the zone. Um, is yeah. that what that book is talking about, Jake, the digital minimalism with Cal Newport? Like, how do you work on the computer? Because most people <laughs> at this point are painting in Photoshop. How do yeah. you disconnect? And then his his follow-up book to that one's called A World Without Email, which I haven't read yet. But it's more it's more for organizational, um, like, like on an organi- organized like work level where you're working with a bunch of people. Um, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much the example of that, right? World without email. I, I haven't, I, I didn't check my email. Well, for- I think I am in the fact that I still have a Hotmail account. So right. everybody is like, like, I think I'm one of the last few to have the Hotmail account, you know, that when I'm calling people collect and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you now, what does a, a typical day work day look for you or, and a typical work week? Hmm. Well, um, it's very, well, it's, I'm in an easier boat right now in terms of family where my younger one is a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. My older one, um, COVID and pandemic was pretty tricky for a senior and then a freshman in college. So mm-hmm. the college that he went to just, it didn't work out due to pandemic stuff. So he's home resetting before he goes to a different university in fall. But that being said, they're older, they're doing their own thing. So it really is more, I have basically the time that I need to, to create. I wake up every day and just basically say to myself, what, what picture am I really excited to work on today? And that kind of gets me going. And I start to work on whatever I'm interested in for that moment. And it's usually I get up, take the older one to high school. And then I work from, 9 a.m. until about 3 p.m. I'll take little breaks for lunch here and there. And then they come home. And again, they're kind of what they do their own thing. So I usually yeah. work in the evenings a little bit, too, because I like uh-huh. to. Um, but I don't know if it's my age, but it's like I'm finding it harder to see in the evening hours. Like <laughs> I used to love working in the night, but now I feel like I'm an old lady where I was like, I can't see what I'm doing. Like, light. <laughs> I need more light. So it's almost like I, I, I can't see as well. And so I, I don't know. So I'm starting to end earlier and earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, I don't really know. I kind of go with what's on hand for the day. I do have to write lots of lists because I am not good at keeping mm-hmm. up with um, the annoying parts of the job. I am not good with the not so fun things. So I have to do right. a little list every day. I call that the, uh, the Bruce Wayne tasks. You know, yeah. you're, you're off being Batman all the time, but someone's got to pay the bills, got to <laughs> pay for the gas for the uh, Batmobile, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm, it's pretty flexible because I'm at that stage now where I have more of that flexibility to just work on my thing when I need to work on it. Do you work um, 
five days a week, six days a week, all, all week, or do you take weekends off? Um, well, I think I kind of work seven days a week, but the weekend is more like, oh, I want to kind of pop into the studio for a little bit. Cause mm. right. And I don't know how much of that is a function of being pandemic. I, um, I am more isolated just because I had like, here's another chapter. I have, um, rheumatoid arthritis. And so the mm. meds that I'm on, um, didn't really allow the vaccines to work very well. So I kind of have oh. to be isolated. So because yeah. of that, there's really not many places to go on the weekend. Plus I have a almost 19 year old and a 16 year old who really just want to do their own thing. So weekends are no longer <laughs> like family trips anywhere. Yeah. Um, and because of that, it's now becoming more, Oh, I want to work on my book a little bit, or I want to work on I, it because I want to. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more varied over the weekend between Netflix and working on little bits here and there. <laughs> I have a process question for you. Um, based on the last book that I did, I had so many notes, um, revision notes, you know, that I had to go back and do. How do you handle revisions on something as intricate as, as the work that you're doing here? Well, I've been really lucky in that the 3d books I've been working on with Paula Wiseman, they understand the process because these sets are quite large. Um, they're usually about three to four feet wide, uh, to be, they have to be large enough because of my arthritic hands. I can't mm. do small cuts. I can't do tiny things. So I have to build my sets a lot bigger. Um, side distraction, just so you know, that was a good topic too, of like adapting to mm -hmm. what you can and cannot do and making work. Um, so anyway, I will create the whole set photograph it and then send it to my editors for approval. And then they'll say yes or no. And then if they say yes, I will dismantle it and then do the next set. It's really the only way I can create these books because there's no way that I can take a photograph, put this set down. I have no space for that. And mm -hmm. there's no way I'd be able to recreate it again to do a slight adjustment. It would look completely different. So they're very right. accommodating in that I get the approval of each final spread as it goes. And the kind of cool thing about that is then when the final book is the last image is done, that's done. Like it's done. My, oh it's my done. gosh. That is fantastic. I think I might start doing that anyway. <laughs> so it's really <laughs> nice. I great. mean, <laughs> it's really nice. Um, and like I said, it really helps with my creativity because a lot of the things from one set, I rip apart and reuse it for the next set. So mm -hmm. even in a grand day, um, there's like a sideboard in the dining room. There's a dining room scene. That sideboard was the door in the opening scene. Um, I just, I'm better that way. I like to take things apart and rebuild them. And that's what's great about working in this manner is I have one set. And once it's approved and done, then that's it. And I can just do what I want with it um, and then use any materials for the future sets. That's cool. Can you grab one of your cars in the back there and oh, just yeah, yeah, hold yeah. it up to the camera? Okay. So, all right. Again, this is where it's important for me to make it accessible to kids mm -hmm. where they feel like, oh, they've got the supplies. So I intentionally use paints around the house and crayons because as I'm sure you know, every year you buy a box of crayons for your kid's class. And then when they're graduating high school, you have a cupboard of so many crayons <laughs> <laughs> that 
don't get used. It's like every year, no, I need a new crayon box. I'm like, oh my God, you barely even use the crayons every year. So, um, and then a cereal box, we use cereal box. So I'll just use a cereal box. So it's just paint and crayon. And then one of the lights fell out. Um, I used those like battery powered lantern lights Mm -hmm. and shoved them in and turned them on. Uh, So I tried to use the light underneath. Well, the battery fell out, but there's a little, it's not in here. There was a little lantern light. They're just like these little battery powered things you can buy packs of on Amazon. And I use those all the time to make light bulbs, to just light anything up in the scenes. And then there's another cereal box, just cardboard. so cool. (laughs) They're fun. I really enjoy building that way. Um, My favorite thing are... For the people that are just listening to the podcast, know that I'm holding up cardboard items that are visually right. very appealing. <laughs> this is definitely one you want to see on YouTube. So, yeah. so here's like, a, this is my favorite. I love designing things. So this is a little chair with just... That's great. Like a little paper. lawn, kind of like a, a lawn chair, but for the inside the house, maybe. Yeah. So it's kind of like a created... I like to think of it as I'm creating a library of things that it's really fun for a ne- the next book to pick some things and reuse them in the, so every book that keeps going on, you'll mm-hmm. see images like objects that were in the book previously. That's so it's good. kind like of a little Easter this, egg. Yeah. It's like a public journal. Like everybody has their journals where they're getting better and better and better. Mine's just a public Mm -hmm. journal. So everybody gets to kind of see the progress with each book. Um, So they're really, I just love the tactileness of making these objects and side. Do we have a moment for a side note or side note? We always do. Yeah. Okay. Cause I talk too much. Um, So I've had to learn. You're doing our work for us. So this is good. (laughs) So I've had to learn to make things a lot bigger because like, life can throw you curveballs. And when I started back up in artwork and I got the agent and I did a couple 2D books, um, it was kind of comical in that right before my third book was a a book about slime, which I actually was inspired by your grossest, was it like a slime? Like a, Uh, it's like the grossest of them all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like it was the way you did the um, screen pattern. What do Uh you call that? Yeah. Yeah. Like like a halftone. Yeah, so I kind of like used that idea in this book. So it was kind of getting my library of things I like from people. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. So I was using that. And I remember that night I had just submitted all the sketches for that book. And I turned to my husband. I was like, the kids are older. I'm getting my life back. Life is good. This is going to be my year. And then within two hours of that, my one hand completely went limp and went paralyzed. And I was like, oh, I must've just worked my hand too much. I must've just got caught. And then within two more hours, the other hand went, and then I was completely paralyzed from here to my elbows. And it was the most scary moment. And for a week, my husband was brushing my teeth, was doing everything. I couldn't do anything. And my whole body shut down and I was, I was crawling from one room to the next. And then I would lay down because I didn't have the energy to crawl and we didn't know what was going on. And then it took about a year where they thought I had MS. They thought I had, Mm -hmm. it was just this like, really kind of like, why did I say things were going well? This is how I know. I remember that exact moment where I'm like, life is going to be great. 
thankfully I finally got the diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. And since then I've been on, I'm now on infusion treatments for it, but I've had to adapt. And while the medicine has done a great wonders for helping to keep the disease kind of at bay, I can't do certain things. I cannot do these fine cut details that you see from a lot of paper artists. Um, One of my idols is Chris Sickles. I know you've mentioned him of Red Nose Studio. Mm -hmm. I love his sculpted, I I can't sculpt. I can't pinch with my fingers because it hurts too much. So I have to just go, okay, well, I can't do that. But what can I do? I want to create work. I want to make things. So I've got this limited library of methods. How can I make something that still is pleasing to me? And there's always a way. So I think that Mm -hmm. idea is if you really want to make something, you can figure out a way to do it, even with limitations that you may be faced with. So my sets have to be really big because I have to be able to build large enough that that's doable with these hands. Right. Um, so that's, I like to like your limitations have also become your style because I love the little white outline around all the characters. And I, uh, I assume yeah, like, that's just like, it's easier to like not cut right on the line, give it a little bit of a margin there. And it just yeah. it helps them pop. Thank from you. The that was a debate with a lot of people around me of mm-hmm. having that white edge, but I personally liked it because it told you that it was paper cutouts. I kind of, yeah. I preferred that. I like the intention behind that. And it does make cutting things out easier. Um, Mm -hmm. I do believe in limited, for me, a limited approach to work makes things more creative for myself. Like I have to, with every book, I pick three colors or otherwise it's too overwhelming for me. I'll start with three colors and I try to do everything within those three colors. And then when I'm comfortable to add a fourth, I will. But I've noticed that the more limited I am in materials or colors, the more creative things uh, become if I limit myself more. So also more cohesive, I think in a way, I I I do that with my students and I always get better results from it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it can be overwhelming when you don't know like how to even start. So I always start that way and just pick two or three colors and just go from there. And then I'll eliminate everything on the desk and basically have only those colors. And it forces you to really think about how you can use those as in as many ways as possible. Yet use, like you said, as a total, everything has more of a unified uh, look an intentional look to it. So that's really cool. Well, we talked for an hour. You really? Oh, that's already. That went by I, so still, I still fast. have a couple of questions. Let me throw them you out do? There real quick. Okay. Questions, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm nervous. I don't want to deviate because it, the 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 comment that we had yesterday for one of our podcast launch. What was it, Jake? I, I the comment was something like, "I like Jake and Will, but Lee is too <laughs> shrill and talks too much and deviates off topic." Okay, so um, <laughs> but you're like, but then you've got the people like me listening, going, "Lee is myself." I Right. <laughs> like, like, I feel like this so, is me. I'm, I'm the one that's always going like squirrel, 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 yeah, squirrel. Exactly, like, exactly. So I'll try to stay on topic. I lose a little bit more, but um, you know, your your work leans towards 
uh, favoring animation. Have you been approached by any animation studios? No, or? and I know that Jake had said, whatever you say on this podcast usually comes to fruition. I remember it you happens. saying that, so I'm quoting <laughs> you on that. And I even thought about that before the podcast. I'm like, okay, he said, so I want animation somehow. I've always thought in my other world, it would be like, I've always been obsessed with art man and stop animation. Um, but I don't think I have the patience for like mm-hmm. the aspect. Yeah, you would drive the style. I could see somebody picking you and saying, okay, we're going to do it in this style. And then you got a team of people that are kind of making yeah, the stop motion. That's what I want. That's what I want. Um, <laughs> let's put that out there. I would be, that would be my like dream. That would be my dream. I would love, love that because uh, yeah, I exactly. I feel the same way as you do. So Cause I want to see these, I wanted these things, see these too. moving and I almost mm-hmm. don't want them to be more sophisticated to lean into the animation. I'd almost like to see the flat characters kind of slide across yeah. the screen, like instead yeah. of having them walk. Absolutely. And all that did you see my, um, did you see my homemade stop motion trailer for thankful? My last no. one. Oh, so is that in your to, video section? Um, is it on there? It should on your, might be on there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Video section on your website. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where um, I can get kind of hyper-focused on things that like, I like to call it distracted focus, where you're distracting yourself from what you need to do by hyper-focusing on something else. And for me, (laughs) that was making this trailer. So I taught my, and I do love teaching myself things. And I love sometimes not knowing a lot. I think kind of makes things sometimes it can make things better so it, i was teaching myself adobe premiere pro and mm-hmm. trying to and i got sucked in so that's my homemade little video but i really enjoyed it um but it all relates to what lee was saying is i would love i want to see my things animated and like you said i don't know if i want to do the animating but i'd like to see my things animated Oh man, I do too. That would just be a dream. I mean, as as I watch these animations with my 11 year old son, um, these different movies and stuff, I'm just craving something that has a little bit more tactile feel. Everything does look more so plasticky within the 3d animation world. And it just would be so refreshing to see these books animated and your stories animated. I would, I would, I I think so too. So whoever's out there, (laughs) <laughs> I really agree with you. It's been manifested. <laughs> so let's see. Let's see if the universe reciprocates. <laughs> so, yes, um, because I, like I said before, the process itself, it's a lot of work. Um, and when you're doing these photography big sets, a lot of times there's this frustrating time where I don't notice a piece has fallen and I've taken like 600 photos and then oh, no. it's been a like three days and I'm like, I finally broke it. I finally broke it. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, bleep. There's like a thing that had fallen down and I hadn't noticed. Or now I've finally gone wise to just using the screen on the camera. For a long time, I was using I'll be right the- back. One second. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time, I was using the view thing. I'm, my terminology is horrible. The viewfinder. <laughs> and I have glasses. And half the time, I would take my glasses off. And so it would be perfectly like in focus in the shot. And I'm like, I got it. The best shot ever. And then I would <laughs> upload everything. And I'm like, everything's blurry. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Do you? Sorry about uh, that. 
That's my wife tragic. was screaming. I had to see what was going on. And Did we you? just found out someone's pregnant. So that's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Now I'm curious. Who's the someone? Is it? Not me. I don't know if I can say yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got a conversation to have later. Um, yeah. Did you, it's, did a good, you learn? it's a good thing, by the way. It's not. Good, uh, good, good. That's good. <laughs> Always. Um, did you learn to do the photography or is somebody else actually shooting the images? No, I tried. I just figured it out myself the best I could. Um, I just like that. I, that's how I am, though. And I just like to try to figure stuff out. It may not be the best methods. It may not be. I'm sure if a photographer came in, they'd be aghast at like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> Even with my Photoshop skills. And I know with my son, if he goes to art school, he's going to totally school me and be like, did you know you could just push this button? And I'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> but um, I think there's something really wonderful about figuring things out. But I also do take, like I did a really great photography class on Skillshare and I want to do more of that. Like I'm noticing Maybe it's part jealousy of seeing my kid when I was doing college tours, but I was like, I want to be a student again. I want to like go <laughs> to classes. And I think that would be really cool to, I think it would be important to do some classes in completely different mediums to really mm -hmm. get me inspired. I think that's important. And I'm noticing more and more of an urge to do that lately. Wouldn't that be cool if there was like a, a, a push in our society where you did go to college the second time? Like, like at 45, like, and that was just a normal yeah. thing. Yeah. And like, you're just like four years off of work and you're just studying this stuff. I, and, I would love to go back like, and be a student. Like, uh, dude, shouldn't you be in college now? Like you're still working. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Imagine how yeah. creative and how much good stuff would come out of that. If, if you could I just, think it would be like, it would be mind blowing because I'd look at my, um, and I know, Jake, I know you've got older kids as well in mm -hmm. your crew. I've only got two, but um, I noticed with my almost 19 year old that he doesn't appreciate or really take notice of things that I'm like, wow, look at what they've got here. And look at this. And I realized my 20 year old self would not notice all these amazing benefits that you have if you were living on campus and all this access to yeah. Uh, like I, I'm already telling, look, they've got these concerts. They have these, I know he's probably not going to go to any of them. And I'll be like, but how can you not look at all this amazing <laughs> right. stuff? So, I mean, I think as an old, like if you came back, you would be like, oh, you take advantage of everything that they've got to offer. <laughs> Cause you, right. yeah. 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 Oh my God. That's for sure. Well, Lee, did you have anything else? Um, no, we've gone over an hour. Let's go ahead and I guess start wrapping it up. Okay, okay. cool. Well, right, thank perfect. you so much. That, that was, was awesome. awesome. <laughs> I love looking at your work. It's 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 very inspiring, and and I do agree with what you said. Sometimes, like a limited knowledge about stuff gives it this freshness. Sometimes, like you come at things and figure out how to do it, and it and it has such an energy to the work. It's really just a kind of a pleasure to look at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really good to talk to you. All right. You too. Thank you so much That's for having fun. me and letting me talk. <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll see you later. We'll see All right. Bye. Especially for personalities like hers. I'm, I'm definitely it can mm -hmm. kinship while you're saying it's, it's tough. I get so distracted in the day and I don't know how, I mean, it's going to be tougher for people who are on the computer 
to eliminate mm-hmm. that. I mean, doing it for social media. If you took away email, social media, and text, it would be a start. And then no internet connection would also be great. But then that's where all my yeah. music is, and that's where my uh, reference yeah. files are. And yeah. so it's just weird. I kind of feel like the the '90s was the last great decade <laughs> to like be creative. <laughs> Because you you could, you, it was focus time. You could just just you know you put just on a CD, and you're not going to be like skipping around and like you just listen to a, a song, an album all the way through. That's an hour, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You're not like clicking through stuff or I don't know. There's there's so many benefits to how we live now, but there, I think what we're doing is we're just trying to find. Um, we're finding a new equilibrium because it's like society's cruising along. We figured out things and then bam, the internet just falls in our lap and then bam, 10 years later. Well, I know the internet was older, but I got online at like, you know, 1999. Right. (laughs) And then 10 years later, the iPhone drops, you know, and then here here we are 10 years after that. And everyone's like, okay, well, 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 you know, let's really figure this out. Like, what do we want to do? Well, sort of, but th- there's another side to that, though, that I'm seeing with my son that that it, we're doing that exactly that evaluation that you're talking about because we experienced what it was like without it. Now mm-hmm. we see where it's tipped over the balance, and now we're like, mm-hmm. okay, let's get back to the normal balance. But then the kids that are coming up now, um, they are getting they're they're learning during the age of uh, fast TikTok videos that aren't more than 15 seconds, and I wonder. Will they be able to sit through a 30 minute show or read a book? (laughs) I mean, it's so it's, I wonder if we're, it's just rewiring their brains. I'm actually scared of it in a way that I haven't been before. And I think there's something beneficial to wondering about something and not knowing the answer. Like, like now I remember when, when I was in high school, it'd be like, I wonder how many people were on the Titanic and be like, uh, I, uh, you know, I'll think, was it a thousand? Was it 5,000? You know, and you're imagining, well, if it was 5,000, you know, and, and then maybe is, I'd yeah. go find a book or go up the encyclopedia and, and read about it. But now, honestly, every day it's like, Alexa, how many people are on the Titanic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's quick information. I mean, like, I remember, <laughs> this is so stupid, but um, uh, is, what's the difference between a possum and an opossum? Like, yeah, is, that, it, is there any difference? Know, is that the same it, animal? Right. I think one's like a raccoon, right? No. <laughs> why, why does one get an O on the front? I still, I, I, now I have to look this up because I don't, I don't remember the difference between a, if it's the same animal or not. <laughs> right. If it is, why are they adding that O on the front of it? It doesn't. Just right. call it a possum. Not an O possum. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. It's too, it's too it, fast. <laughs> right. Or pants. Remember we talked about why is it called yeah. pants? Yeah, that was the, that was all the reviews on that. Like we did an hour long podcast and people are just talking about the, the pants issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's kind of refreshing though, but you're right. It's just, it's just too much. And it's all the, it's, it's what I don't like is it's just all the time. It's always on mm-hmm. you. And so, so mm-hmm. it's just like omnipresent being sort of almost in a way. Like yeah. you got, and, and then it also is, is, it's just reaffirmed. Everybody's an expert once they read one little thing about something. So like if I read about the opossum, once mm-hmm. I figure out what that is versus a possum, now all of a sudden some, in a conversation, I'll be like yelling at someone about yeah. my knowledge of possums. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fascinating to me how someone can be 
like an absolute expert on COVID-19, you know, pandemic <laughs> stuff and Afghanistan and geopolitics oh, yeah. and Ukraine. <laughs> like, like, yeah, they got, they got all the is... answers on how to move, move people out of Afghanistan effectively. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All those idiots that are in and, and how to distribute how to a vaccine, you know, to, right. to three and a half million, three, 350 million people or how many, <laughs> how many people there are. Anyways, <laughs> Samantha, it was such a cool thing to have her on. Um, I, you know, I, she's a breath of fresh air to me, breath of fresh air. And she's having me think about a lot of things that I've already been on my mind, but even more, more focused now. So cool to have her on. Um, are you going to quit social media? Uh, I'm looking at what an exit strategy would look like. Essentially. I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk about it fully yet. Cause I'm still like figuring out what it, what it looks like, but um, uh, I, you know, does it mean like deleting accounts? I don't think so. Does it mean just posting something that says, Hey, I'm not here anymore, but if you want to find me, here's where I'm at. I don't know. I, I'm going to come up with a plan. I'll come back to you and tell Interesting. you. Interesting. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Three point perspective is made possible by svslearn.com where becoming a great illustrator starts. Your hosts have been uh, Will Terry, Lee White, and Jake Parker. Will Terry couldn't join us again. He's uh, on assignment, but you can find his work at willterry.com, and he's also on Instagram at willterryart. Lee White is at leewhiteillustration.com, and you can find him on Instagram at leewhiteillo, and I'm over at mrjakeparker.com, and also on Instagram at jakeparker. Podcast produced by Daniel Tu. That's danieltu.co. Uh, special thanks to Master of Production, David Bro. Keeper of the Curriculum, Austin Shirtliff, Chief Operations Officer, Lisa Fott, and a thank you to Lily Howell for our show notes. Now go draw something.